0: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It has been an eventful September 2nd, 2020. Uh, Earlier in the day, Atlanta United um, announced, or later in the day, I guess, Atlanta United announced the sale of Pitti Martinez to Al-Nasir in Saudi Arabia, uh, pending a successful physical by Martinez, and the two sides agreeing to personal terms. And then uh, tonight, which is what we'll spend a little bit of time talking about also, Atlanta United was held to a 0-0 draw at home by Inter-Miami, a team that had yet to shut out an opponent this season. Um, It was not an inspiring performance, I don't think, uh, by Atlanta United. I don't think it had anything to do with missing Pitti Martinez because the team hadn't been doing much with him. Um, But as always helping me break it down. Is Jason Longshore of ninety two point nine FM and Soccer Down Here net. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Jason, let's go ahead and dispense of the game in the next few minutes, and then let's talk about pity some. Uh, what did you make of tonight?
1: Uh, disjointed. Um, I don't know if the pity stuff was a, a direct um, issue with the way the performance was. Uh, Stephen Glass said that. You know, even up through to, until last night, he was expecting that 50 Martinez would play a part in tonight's match. I mean, you're looking for an effect. You didn't prepare to not play with them. Um, it looked like a team that was lacking in confidence, and that's been an issue for a while now. Um, is that purely down to Joseph Martinez? No, I don't think so, although it's a lot easier to feel more confident when you have a player like that. Um, There were things that were better tonight, and I don't want them to be lost in the shuffle. I think the team handled set pieces better tonight, a lot better than they did on Saturday against Orlando. You had a clean sheet. I thought you got a good performance defensively from every member of the back line. Um, I think the transition from offense to defense was good, and something that I've had questions about why there's been issues with that. The transition from the middle third to the final third in the attack was not good. And the speed of play in the final third was not good. And those are reasons why you didn't create many chances.
0: Yeah, Steven Glass said that the preparation was affected by the Pitti Martinez news today. They were counting on him playing even through last night. They were counting on him playing. Um, Brad Guzan said it affected the prep. It didn't affect the mentality of the team. Uh, it's a next man up football cliche uh, that he threw out there. Uh, for Atlanta United. Um, you know, the, I thought the defense played better, but the last 10 minutes I thought it was also lucky that Miami just could not capitalize because it was creating quite a few chances in the final 10 minutes. Atlanta United was uh, kind of pulled apart in various places. There were times in the game with the defense it reminded me of a youth game. It was a bunch of players chasing the ball and just kind of a lack of all formational discipline which is something that they did well against Nashville and kind of fell apart against Orlando. Um, but you can't win if you don't score. And the team just – One
1: thing before we move into the attack, because yes. this might, the attack might take a minute.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, defensively, I'll give them a little more credit than that because I think Miami's a much better attacking team, and especially at the end when you saw Pellegrini. come. On. Pellegrini, uh, Morgan, Pizarro, good attackers, and they're very – in the attack, and they changed positions a lot. It was something that I had a concern about coming into this, that some of that movement with Pizarro you know, drifting out to the wide spaces then popping up in the central channel, that Atlanta United, because they've had communication, maybe that lack of communication would lead to players running free. And it didn't happen too much. It did towards the end when Miami threw more numbers forward. But I think Atlanta dealt with those things Pretty well defensively, I think it was pretty good tonight. You get a clean sheet. You did things pretty well. You didn't give up a whole ton of chances.
0: They gave up 10, 10 chances tonight. Um uh, Jason's audio isn't great. He's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh so I apologize for that, but but I'm gonna we're all gonna live with it because Jason provides such good detail and opinion. Um I apologize. No, that's all right. Uh offensively, I tweeted this a few times. Atlanta United had some good passing combinations. I don't think they, they were as good as some against Orlando. But then when it gets into the, the – the, like the 35-yard line, the equivalent of the 35-yard line, everything just breaks down. Um, turnover after turnover. Uh, nobody's making a run. It's, it's the little triangles that you kind of like to see, but it's little triangles that don't seem to have a whole lot of purpose to them. Um, the team's best chance to score – was arguably its first when Brooks Lennon put in a Julian Gressel like cross uh, to uh, Eric Torres, who was for some reason unmarked by either of Miami's center backs. And he opened up his hips and hit it with the inside of his left foot and put it over the goal. He regretted that. He said, It was my only chance and I got to do better. Um, but then, other than that, there really weren't a whole lot of, of quality chances created. I mean, if people want to say, well, if Joseph Martinez were in, blah, 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 he wasn't going to get anything tonight. There just wasn't anything there.
1: Yeah, I think the thing with with Joseph is more of the mentality. And I think what you're seeing without him, you know, he never wore the armband here, but he was a leader on the field. In those moments where you have those drops or those lulls, in the team, whether it's it's just an energy, whether it's in confidence, you miss those times where you would see Joseph barking at, at, at players, barking at teammates, uh, being demonstrative, because you saw a reaction to that. And right now you're not really getting either one.
0: Speaking of barking, uh, Barco got caught uh, not being very happy that he was subbed off uh, today in the second half. Um, uh, I guess presumably it's Steven Glass. We didn't quite know who he was talking to. Glass explained it as as load management um, with Barco Anheiman and Hyman and why Lorinowitz wasn't in even the game day roster, while Manuel Castro wasn't in the roster. I mean, it's – I don't really understand. I, we've talked about this on your show. I don't really understand the reasoning because this season is really more of a sprint than a marathon at this point. After this block of games, I think there's going to be 12 remaining. And Atlanta United is closer to being out of the playoffs than in the playoffs at this point. Um, But anyway, it's either here or there. Let's talk about Pitti. What what do you think of the move?
1: Uh, It obviously came about suddenly. Um, I think that can be gathered from the fact that there was zero mention of it before this morning, um, and I think Stephen Glass's comments and Darren Eels' comments today echo that, uh, the numbers that are being bandied around um, are very high, higher than than I would have expected. Um, when you start to connect the dots on Al Nasser out of Saudi Arabia, the club that he's being linked to, this is a, a Champions League club. This is a that won the Saudi league last season looks like they're going to finish in second this season as they're down to the final two weeks and then, then they'll go into another season fairly quickly uh, they're still playing in the 2020 Asian league. potentially losing uh, Brazilian midfielder Juliano looks like he could be headed to the Turkish Super League uh, and he's a player that will probably net a nice return um, this is also the club that has been linked with Mesut Ozil from Arsenal, and reports had them offering Ozil a $20 million a year salary, which is crazy. Um, you'd have to pay that to get Ozil to leave Arsenal right now, and it sounds like he's not interested. But you connect all those dots, and you see a club that needs a player like Pitti. You see a club that has money to spend, a club that has spent these this kind of Transfer, you know, figure before, and you see a player who, you know, without knowing what kind of contract he's being offered, but a player who could be in a position to secure his financial future. It all comes together to make a move now, rather quickly, um, because the pieces fell into place.
0: Yeah, it makes me wonder. You know, all the soccer players in the world. I wonder if Pitti had told his agent, if you can get me out of here, find a deal and get me out of here. Um, because it's just the whole thing was so quick and so odd. I, I don't think anyone ever expected Pitti to end up in Saudi Arabia. If um, It's a club, as you said, with resources. It could go and get, try to get anybody at once. Um, and to land on Martinez, and I know that there's anecdotes about how well he played against the, this club. Um, in the club world cup. Uh, But it's still, it's just an odd, odd thing to me. Um, And God help the, the back four that has picky Martinez and Mesa Dozel in the same starting 11. Uh, If
1: they were able to pull that one off, (laughs) that's a lot of attacking firepower.
0: Yeah. But not a lot of defense. Um,
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, but that's the thing. And that's the thing I I gotta, I I gotta say here is there's been a lot of talk about, you know, 50 Martinez, not, Living up to anything during his time here, you've got a club who thinks otherwise, and yeah, they're going to have to overpay him salary-wise to get him to go. That's that's just the the place that Saudi clubs are in. But they're not spending whatever the the transfer fee is. I mean, anywhere between 18 and 20 million, and whatever they're going to commit to him on salary, they're not spending that because they want to throw money away. I mean, they expect him to be a player who would come in and produce for them. Atlanta's going to turn a profit on this deal and yeah. be able to then go and who knows what the rest of this market could look like right now.
0: Yeah. I, I well, you know, you look at the, um, transfer fee purchases at United is going to be able to buy low. I think,
1: um, 100% they will.
0: Yeah. The recession COVID has affected prices. Um,
1: You've got you clubs rate in South America that rate Atlanta's rate done business rate. with before that are selling players because they can't pay them right now. Yep. Independiente is a club who is moving players at the moment because they can't pay their wages. Um, you're going to be able to really get some bang for your buck right now.
0: So put on your, uh, take off your Kangol and put on your GM Kangol. I think Atlanta United is going to try to find a number 10. How do you think having a number 10 is going to make this team – give this team a spark, get some goals, give it some swagger back, really turn it into what Stephen Glass keeps saying he wants to turn it into but has been unsuccessful in just three games, to be fair, just three games, uh, the Atlanta United of old?
1: Depends on what kind of number 10 you're looking for. Um, Miguel Almirón's a number 10. 50 Martinez is a number 10. Neither one are necessarily traditional number 10s, and they're very different from one another. Ezekiel um, Barco can play as a number 10, um, and he's different than the other two. I, I really think you're going to kind of lean back into what we've seen this team prioritize over the years, uh, speed. I think you're going to lean back into a player who is strong in transition. Um, I think you'd like to have a player who can help you press more um, when you want to pick and choose those moments. Uh, You can find those players, and you can find those players for, you know, good purchases. And remember, this is something that was stressed with Miguel Almiron's purchase and his transfer out it was stressed with barco's purchase it was stressed with pithy's purchase and darren eels repeated it with with us today on the the countdown to kickoff they're going to be looking for somebody who would have resale value they're not going to go get a 32 or 33 year old number 10 or right now they're going to go get somebody that they can bring in have them perform and then move them on at a profit
0: it's a, Yeah, I, I think if you have to prioritize anything right now, um, uh, check boxes. Speed has got to be number one because it's a, it's a team that going forward, it just does not have a lot of speed in the, in the chosen starting 11. I'm not including Jurgen Dam in that because he's not a starter yet. Um, it's not a team that has anybody going forward right now in the starting lineup. He's going to beat anybody off the dribble. And that's part of why it has so many issues in the final third. It has to rely on combinations uh, to get into space. And it's just, it can't put anything together right now. I'm going to be really curious to see who they're able to get. I think it's going to be a lot sooner than, than later um, on, on the signing that they're going to make. Um, I don't know from what country it's going to come, but, uh, but it's, it's got to be an impactful signing. Which kind of brings me back to Barco again. Because, you know, he's been here uh, going – this is his third season now. I don't think anyone – is it's kind it's of like, like pity. No one's still clear what is his best position. He kind of drifted around central, uh, to the left and then centrally tonight. He needs somebody that can help him just play one position, one position only for a while. And and really get his confidence up at that position, and become the type of player that Atlanta and I do want him to be.
1: Yeah, I think Ezekiel Barco's got to stay healthy more than anything. I think he's got to be able to put a run of games together because, however quick a move happens, I mean, you know, we we stress that the Spiti Martinez transfers come together quickly. I, you know, you haven't been shopping yet. So it's going to take a little bit of time to bring Oh,
0: I, I think they've been shopping. You know, Darren Eels is smart enough to have a list put together long before. No, that's, a, that's different.
1: I, I agree with that. They have a list. But shopping and having a list are two different things because now you have to start talking about figures and those sorts of things. That's not going to happen in a week, two weeks. Barco's going to have time. He can stay healthy and he can keep getting on the field and he can be dangerous here, to be the guy. And he's never been the guy in this team. It's always been defer to Miguel, always defer to Joseph. It, it's gonna, it was defer to Pinty. Barco was always the third musketeer. Now he's the guy that you have to look to in the final third, and he's got to step up and deliver. There's pressure on him now to do that.
0: Yeah, I just I, – yeah. It, it, I, can't, I don't know if, he can, if he's going to succeed uh, feeling that pressure because, as you point out, he has not been able to be on the field long enough. He's had one really fantastic stretch. That was at the beginning of last season. Then he went off uh, to the U-20 World Cup, I think it was, and unfortunately suffered an injury. And then he hasn't been the same player since. Um, injured when he came back.
1: A, he had a really good U20 World Cup with Argentina and turned a lot ahead.
0: Yeah, that's right. He got injured against Columbus. That's right.
1: Columbus and OBA yeah. Cup, where he yeah. was kicked in the knee and it took him out for.
0: Yeah, on the sideline. Yeah, by Crognall, Kro- no I think it was. Yeah. Um, in that rainy, nasty game. Um, it's just, This is a season that has just been odd from the start, uh, it continues to be odd. Um, You know, people who keep saying it like is throwing in the towel totally disagree with that, um, as I've argued with them on Twitter. Um, I do think that this roster has a lot of issues, uh, a lot of players that are just too similar in skill sets. Um, And that's a a thing for the offseason to try to fix. Um, But right now they've got to go down to Orlando a team that just beat them uh, pretty easily, three to one at Mercedes-Benz Stadium last Saturday, and try to get three points or at least a point uh, on Saturday at Exploria Stadium. Uh, It's going to be a tough ask, I think.
1: It is. Uh, It's going to be a different kind of match than Atlanta United's had since the MLS's back tournament because they're going to play a team in Orlando that at home – I think, will will take more of the play. They'll have more of the possession. Uh, they will be the team that will be trying to dictate the play a little bit more. When they came here last weekend, they were a little content to sit back and, and allow Atlanta more of the possession. We had 10 out of Orlando too much at home with some fans in the building. They're going to try to be the team on the front foot, and Atlanta will be the team that's going to have an ability to play off the counter a little bit more. Maybe that simplifies things for this team for Maybe it makes it a little bit easier. Sit deeper and defend and try to hit on the break. See, I'm very curious to see what the lineup looks like after the, the minutes we saw players play tonight. Are they gonna be able to turn around after regen day tomorrow? a light session walkthrough day on Friday and play Saturday night.
0: The the problem with that tactic, and I, I don't disagree with it. I'm willing for you know to see the club try anything at this point, is who are they going to put up top that's going to beat someone on a counter other than Juurigen Dom they, they just don't have anybody um, and that that's where the uh, you know uh, yet another area where the absence of Joseph is felt um, it's 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 just it's a weird season it's a weird team, and I don't know how it's going to get turned around unless maybe they can find some sort of impactful. Number 10, who can not only help them control possession, which they're great at controlling possession, it's figuring out what to do with the ball once they get it in the final third. Um, Jason, what do you have upcoming?
1: Uh, Overreaction Thursday on soccer down here. I'm sure it'll be a doozy tomorrow as we (laughs) wait to see if the 50 deal gets done and announced, and uh, we try to decipher this match. um, And we start to look ahead, too, to Orlando. That's tomorrow morning, nine a.m. Uh, you can listen on Soccer Down on the Soccer Down Here app. You can download for Android or iOS, and you can also watch on Twitch.com Soccer Down Here.
0: I would love for this deal to be completed tomorrow, but I know that Major League Soccer does not move very fast in regard to anything. Um, so I'm betting it's Friday uh, or maybe even the weekend when this is completed. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you've enjoyed the Southern, Soc- <laughs> Southern Fried Soccer podcast on September the 2nd, at Atlanta United and Inner Miami. Draw 0 0 at Mercedes Benz Stadium.